Hello and welcome to Sunday Night Conversations brought to you by D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. And let us start by saying a special thank you to our presenting sponsor, Netting Pros. Netting Pros specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting and padding for college baseball programs all across the country. Next time your field or facility needs something new, whether that's netting, wall padding, L-screens, ball carts, make sure you check out our friends at Netting Pros. Uh, these guys are amazing. Their products are amazing. They love our sport. It, it's an absolute no-brainer. You get your hands on the best stuff, uh, and, and you work with people that really, really care about college baseball. So um, the show is not possible without our friends at Netting Pros. We really appreciate their support. Gentlemen, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday night. Good to see your faces. Um, I want to get into this pretty quickly tonight. Tonight's topic um, is program building and program identity. Uh, and this is a topic I love. I, th this might be my favorite part of college baseball is just the identity of programs, the building of programs. And so um, we're going to that, that's been the purpose of the, these Sunday night conversations. We're really talking to some of the best assistant coaches in the country and talking about different parts of our game. So, uh, Josh McDonald, I'm going to start with you and we're going to go around the horn. And what I want you guys to do is just uh, name where you're at. Give us your background, where you grew up, where you played, where you've coached kind of bullet point us around your resume. So Coach Mack, go ahead. Yeah, Josh McDonald. Um, this is now my 12th year as the pitching coach at the University of Connecticut. So uh, could be a lucky dozen here. Uh, I also played at a really cool school, the University of Connecticut, uh, <laughs> from 2001 to 2006. Uh, decided to uh, get away from Connecticut, where I was born and raised, and, and played at Notre Dame West Haven. And I, uh, I started off as a graduate assistant coach under Dom Mains at Long Island University in Brooklyn. Uh, and then I spent uh, two years as a teacher and a coach at uh, St. Thomas More. And I also was coaching up in the Cape Cod League when uh, Coach Penders uh, asked me if I wanted to come back. And uh, yeah, I've been, been here ever since. That's awesome. All right. So follow up question, Josh. As I understand it, you, your staff is the longest tenured coaching staff in Division One baseball, meaning, you know, the combined years in one place. Yeah. Uh, unpack that for us. So, so give us yeah. your four coaches and, and who's been there. You don't have yeah, to get the years perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in a slump, uh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, uh, coach Penders took over in 2003. So whenever that was him and him and coach Pedesla was one of the assistants that took over, uh, myself and coach Horrigan were on that team, uh, when he took over, uh, I think actually were the first two guys that, pitched for him, if I'm not mistaken. I think Coach Horgan started the game at Arizona State, and I came in relief. Uh, I actually think I got the first win, too. So, nice. um, And then then when uh, after their, their magical run in 2011, uh, Coach Blood got an opportunity to become a head coach at Hartford to Coach Malinowski with him. Coach Horgan and I came on, and uh, we've been together ever since. You know, I, I don't think any of us <laughs> any of us thought that, that it was going to – we were going to be together this long, but – you know, it just it just so happened that UConn's been been great to us, and and uh, you know it's a it's a really cool place to work. Love it. Hey, uh, last final follow up question in this topic. Uh, your guys' new park. This mm -hmm. is year two or year three? You guys will be in it. Uh, this will be year three. So so what's it called? Is it Elliot? Is that the yeah Elliot Ballpark? Is it was named after the the Elliot family. Both Dougs played for us. They uh, uh, Doug Senior was the captain. Um, of the last team that went to Omaha from UConn. I think that was 1979, I, I believe. I could be wrong on that one, um, but I think it was 79. And then 
Uh, Doug Elliott was the catcher and MVP for the 2011 team. So that team that had all those MLB guys on it, he caught every single game that season. Wow. Uh, so, so he was the MVP of that team. So, yeah, so it's named after that family. What's the best part of the new park? The best part uh, of the new park, to be honest with you, you know, it's the, you know, it's the location. You know, they, they put it in an area the, of the university that it was pretty much like a, a, a rundown practice soccer facility and was, you know, all overgrown and stuff. And when they built it, you know, the way it's located, you know, we're like in a bowl with like the wood surrounding us and they kind of built these hills into it. So it's a really, just a really awesome setting that, you know, really what didn't seem like it was there because, you know, it was kind of an eyesore with the, the overgrown kind of soccer facility there. So it's, it's beautiful and it's awesome. That is awesome. And the pictures look amazing. I can't wait to get there. So, hey, uh, Jordan, you're going to go next. Before I forget to say this, boys, when you're not talking, just try to remember to mute yourself so our recording is super clean. Uh, JT, go ahead. Yeah, I well, appreciate you having me on and, and being on with this group. It's a great panel. Um, Jordan Tuhig, I'm at Charleston Southern University. I'm the hitting coach and recruiting coordinator here at Charleston Southern. Uh, first year here with Mark McMillan and Carl Kuhn. Um, really good staff enjoying the fall. Uh, I came from uh, St. Mary's College previously before that. Um, two stops at St. Mary's, uh, kind of going backwards, but I played at Feather River Junior College, a two-year junior college out in California. Um, got a chance to play for Jed Soto out there, um, who was a very young coach at the time and had come from uh, the Smoke Laval system, which was uh, like the Skip Bertman system, right? So he played for Smoke at uh, Louisiana Monroe. So he brought that back to us on the West Coast. And we were running some kind of form of the system a long, long time ago when I was 18, 19 years old, and I didn't know it. Um, you know, fast forward, uh, Coach McMillan comes from uh, Coach Bianco at Old Miss, and we're kind of trying to run a very similar system. So uh, kind of full circle. But Feather River is where I started. Um, I then went on transfer to York College in Nebraska, small NAI school. Um, I was watching these a couple weeks ago. Matt Fontino um, was my outfield coach when he was 20 and I was 19. Um, he was his first year as a coach. So that was, that was really fun. Um, so I was at York and then I got right into coaching right after I went back to Feather River. I coached with Reed Peters for a year um, when he was at Feather River and then uh, moved on to St. Mary's College. I was a volunteer there for two and a half seasons. I uh, got a chance to um, move on to an associate scout job with the Pirates, which was a really cool opportunity. Start to learn how to scout and meet some of those old scouts, learn how to evaluate that type of thing. And then um, that's I had an opportunity and it, it's a relative to what we're talking about. I got a chance to work with a, a baseball group called NorCal Baseball and Runes. That's where we met. Uh, through Pat Murphy and Rob Bruno and Tony Cravello and those guys. The first time we met, I think 2005 or 2006, something like that. But um, from there, I got a chance to uh, get on at a junior college called Ohlone Junior College in Northern California. Um, really good two-year school. Had the opportunity to take that program and become the head coach there. And very fortunate at a young age to get that opportunity and had some good players. And um, after that, got a chance to work with Lindsey Meggs and uh, Dave Nakama and uh, Dave Dangler up in the Northwest at the University of Washington. I was there for three years. Um, and then after that, uh, a good friend of mine, Greg Moore, got the Cal State Northridge job. And I went down to Southern California. I was there with Greg for six years. And then since we moved up to St. Mary's, and I was there for three years with Greg before making this move out to Charleston, uh, out to the East Coast. Man, that's awesome. All yeah. right. So, JT, um, two follow-up questions. Sure. How, how old were you when you became the skipper at Ohlone? 28. No, no. <laughs> nice. Yeah, puppy. Yeah, That's awesome. 
Yeah, tell me about Ohlone College, Junior College. Yeah. I could, I know it's in Northern California. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty big place. I couldn't tell you anything else yeah. about Ohlone. Yeah, what, uh, what is, what is, yeah, what do I need to know? Well, it's just outside of San Jose. Uh, it's okay. uh, kind of East Bay, South Bay, right there in the foothills. Uh, uh, Mission Peak is right there, San Jose. Um, really, really good recruiting ground. I didn't know it at the time, but that uh, East Bay corridor uh, from Livermore, Pleasanton, Tracy, uh, up through Walnut Creek, and and some of those really good spots have some good high schools, some really good high schools. And, and you know, I was lucky, like I said, to get on with a group like NorCal and some of those groups there, the Danville Hoots and Don Johns and some of the guys on the West Coast that uh, just have really quality players. And, and I was fortunate to get some of those guys in there and 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 just work. And those kids were they were awesome. It was a fun, fun experience. But it's a it's a, a good school. You know, they've re, since redone it. Uh, Mike Kern runs it now. He's done a fantastic job. Um, you know, just a constant mainstay in Northern California. So good school. Awesome. So your team, yeah. you, you guys won the state, which yeah. is you know a huge accomplishment. California junior colleges, there's a million of them. feels yeah. like it's always a Southern California school, yeah. like a Cypress or a Riverside. Yeah. And if it is a NorCal school winning it, it's like Sac City yeah. um, under yeah. Jerry Weinstein. What was there a famous player on your team that won it? Anybody that was that had a or was it a bunch of just. It was just, you know, there's a lot of really good players. They're all famous to me. Right. But there was, we got lucky. Um, When I took the job over, I I was really fortunate to um, the year before I became the head coach, I was the associate head coach, whatever that, you know, whatever that means. But I was with Tom Kunis and Tom was, Mm. you know, at Stanford for five years before that they had been to a bunch of world series, just a really, really polished coach. And I was young and, and he kind of took me under his wing and, and taught me. And so we were able to recruit, um, you know, a really good group of kids. They were all freshmen. It was a brand new staff and, you know, junior college, you can really get after it and recruit. So we, we brought in 25, 27 guys, something like that. And they all stayed. Uh, when Tom went on to San Jose state, I was given the job and, um, and ran with it with those kids and, and they were all freshmen and we were really good that first year. And we were two in barbecue in our own regional. And, uh, Mike knew the head coach at Cal was the head coach at DBC at the time and, uh, came in and they beat us in, in that regional. And then the next year they were all sophomores. And so, um, you know, we were able to kind of get that, keep that group together for two years and, and kind of build off of some of that culture stuff and, and just kept going. And those guys did it. You know, I just, like I said, young coach and, and trying to, um, not mess them up. So love it. That's really yeah. cool. Lou, go ahead. Yeah. How you doing? I'm Lou Proietti. I'm the associate head coach at, uh, Stonehill college. Um, going back to the beginning, I grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, up in Canada, um, played since I can remember since I was about four years old, uh, you know, watched the blue Jays go back to back, uh, when I was about 10 and that kind of solidified that, you know, my love for baseball, um, and then pursued, you know, playing, playing, come down and playing in the States. And uh, my freshman year, I went to St. Peter's uh, University, uh, went to a transfer to a junior college, uh, Potomac State Junior College in Kaiser, West Virginia, played for coach Doug Little, uh, who's a phenomenal coach, uh, taught me a ton. Um, we had a great year there, went to the JUCO World Series in Grand Junction, which is a phenomenal experience, um, which, which uh, really, it's a great take. If, if guys get an opportunity to go out there and check it out, it's an unbelievable atmosphere and some really, really good baseball. Um, so I was very thankful to be able to, to, to play in that. Um, from there, I transferred to UMass Amherst and, and played there for two years. Um, played for Coach Stone, who's since retired. Um, and then, and then I, I taught for a couple of years coming out of college. 
Uh, I taught high school for three years. I went down and taught at Georgetown Preparatory School in, in uh, North Bethesda, Maryland. Um, worked with Chris Rodriguez, who's still the dean of students there, who's a great baseball guy. I got to learn from him. Um, and then I moved on to Ryder University uh, in the MAC and got to, and got to coach with uh, Dr. Barry Davis. Um, was with him for three years. Uh, we had two of our three years were really successful. We broke the school record for wins. Uh, he was the MAC coach of the year for two of the three years, and so um, it was it was a great experience to see firsthand, you know, a successful program at that level and and get to live it, breathe it, and, and learn from someone like that was 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 really a great opportunity. Um, and then I moved on to Stonehill College initially. Um, this is my second stint at Stonehill, but my first stint uh, was with Coach Bowen. Uh, I was there for four years, um, work with the hitters, work with the uh, infielders, base runners. Um, and at the time, it was a Division II school in the uh, in the NE10. Um, and then uh, after four years, I became the head coach at St. Peter's University for three years. Um, that that I most recently uh, stepped down from that position in July. Uh, had a kid in September, which changed things a little bit uh, for me. And so uh, now I've accepted the position up here in Stonehill. Um, and yeah, same type of thing. Work with the hitters. Work with the um, you know all the position players, really base runners, and uh, and 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 head out the recruiting. All right, so Lou, so uh, how was your hockey game as a kid? Do we play much hockey, or you were in, all in on baseball early? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm decent at road hockey. Once you put skates on me, it becomes an equalizer, man. I'm not, I'm not great uh, on, on skates. So uh, hands are okay. Um, endurance is decent, but, but skates was ultimately what led me to baseball. I played a little bit of basketball as well, but um, I would not call skating a, 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 a strong suit of mine. And what position were you in your playing career? A shortstop. And did you hit lefty or righty? I hit lefty. So I hit lefty. I threw righty. Um, yeah. So it. Uh, Why is it that? Didn't... Why are all the hockey players? So I think of the Minnesota kids and the Canadian kids. Is there something about hockey that makes people hit left-handed or I don't get it? What? what it, it's awesome, by the way. I'm not being critical. It's we No. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know if maybe it's, yeah, when, how they pick up a hockey stick or um I, i'm not exactly sure to be honest that's just kind of how i picked up the bat when i was when i was young and um yeah, yeah. I, i'm not i'm not exactly sure though why there's they, there's definitely something to that though for sure oh my gosh yeah minnesota it's like they got 26 left-handed hitters i mean it's like hitting right-handed they kick you out of school or something the um hey what about uh let, let me add this follow-up question grand junction's on my bucket list the problem is it's right in the middle of our season what uh like if yeah you, you kind of describe the crowds but give give me a give me a memory from Grand Junction like I I've got something pictured but I'm curious what it was like from a playing standpoint. Oof, uh, it was it was great. I mean there were there were ten to twelve thousand fans a game you know and obviously you know playing playing a JUCO season we might not have had ten thousand fans combined the entire season um, you know so going from um, playing maybe in front of two you know 100, 200 people to ten to twelve thousand it was a great environment. Um, and then once you're at that level, you're getting the best of the best in terms of competition. Um, but just little things, you know, kids asking for autographs and asking for foul balls. It's a, it's a different type of atmosphere that uh, at the JUCO level, you don't necessarily get to experience until you maybe make it to Grand Junction. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Anthony, go ahead. Yeah, Runes, thanks for having me. Um, Got it. Really fun, really fun panel here. I'm excited to see what we got tonight. But uh you know, I'm a New England product, born and raised up there. That is uh, displaced down in Jersey here. But I grew up, I played and caught for four years at Bridgewater State University uh, down towards the Cape. 
Um, was lucky enough to actually play in the NECBL for a year for for Lou here. Um, so it goes back in a, in a little different direction. But um, my first taste of coaching was after the summer that I graduated and went down the Cape and was able to work for Jeff Trundy and help out on his staff and help out the GM of the league, um, you know, to kind of get my feet wet and get to be around some really good players and coaches. And it was a, a special summer with, with Jack Martyr on staff there. And, and Trundy's an incredible guy that, you know, you get to learn a lot from just from being a fly on the wall. Um, from there, I, I spent a couple of years working in player development for the Dodgers and Blue Jays organizations. Um, you know, same deal. Got to work with some really highly reputable coaches, and I learned a ton in those two years. You know, spending a, a year in the Midwest League, under uh, working under three big leaguers, um, and then the following year being able to transition and take a promotion to Toronto and working under Wedgie when he was the field coordinator um, down at the complex in Dunedin. And from there, I, I was able to get my first college coaching job to get back on the field at Merrimack College up in up in Massachusetts. Um, went that back closer to home, was the volunteer for for Nick there for one year, won the NE10, um, had a really special run in us. And then following summer, I, I was coaching back in the NECBL and I got an interview with with Robbie McClellan here at New Jersey Tech. And out of nowhere, I came down here, offered me the job and accepted two days later without a place to live or no idea what the area was like or anything. So uh, for the last five years, Newark, New Jersey has embraced me and we've been really lucky to, to build something special here under under the skipper. That's awesome. Well, I, 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 you know this, Anthony, but I recruited Robbie McClellan at Arizona State and that required a home visit in liberal Kansas, which is a road trip under itself that that's a story that can only be told at the convention over adult beverages that that said let me ask you this follow-up question so my question anthony is um is when did you know you wanted to coach but don't answer it yet here's why i'm asking you were an incredible college student like most of us that knew we wanted to coach kind of don't graduate magnum cum laude with a minor in economics so either you come from a very academic family or you weren't totally sure you wanted to coach so that that's my question is when did you know no, I, I think that was always something that I was going to do, regardless of grades. I, you know, we we joke about it a lot just because, you know, you know, Robbie way back and, and the, the student profile may have been a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> it was it was not minoring in economics, <laughs> but uh, it's been great. You know, incredible guy to work for and learn from. And, um, you know, I, I got a degree that wasn't related to sports back in college, and I think it was really beneficial in getting my my foot in the door in pro ball quite frankly because in mm -hmm. 2016 when I kind of entered that scene it was the start of a real analytics error you know and I had, I had done a lot of research and 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 kind of versed myself in some of the technology prior to going there and it's probably why, why I was lucky enough to get that opportunity um, from there it kind of took off you know and over the last seven or eight years it's it's really blossomed into something that's being used at a high level of college baseball and obviously at the pro level, um, you know, so a background in, in some of the economic stuff and being able to under, understand some of the analytical side of things was, was really beneficial, but being in baseball and staying in baseball was always the, really the only option for me. You know, I never really foresaw myself being in any other field because I, I can't imagine not loving what I do and mm. I've seen too many friends and, people that I spent time around that that's not necessarily always the case in the, in the real world, so to speak. So, sure. um, you know, it's, it was always something I was gonna 
not accept failure for, you know, and, and make sure that I just used it to my advantage. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. All right, boys, let, let's let's start to dive into the topic. We've kind of started to touch on it. So, Josh Mack, I'm going to start with you. So this is a broad topic, you know, program building, your program identity. And and let's pretend that I'm taking over a program. I'm taking over Malvern Prep again or whatever it is. And I, I want to I want to start to tackle this. So what I'm looking for, Josh, is give me three anchors, give me three pillars, three core beliefs, whatever, however you want to take it. But, you know, I probably can't consume everything, but what are, what are, when you start thinking about program identity and building a program, what are three really important items? Well, uh, you can, we have four, uh, the first, yeah, do do all four. Let's do it. Yeah. The first one is, uh, the first one is, you know, academics, right? So like, you know, you have to get your degree, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're all there for. Um, you know, we're all there to get our degree and we can't do anything. You, know, you can't do anything unless we do the first part. Uh, the second part, um, the second part is to get championships. So, you know, you know, you, you have to talk about, about, you know, winning, I think to win, like it has to be, a, it has to be a goal. It has to be something that you're not afraid of. It has to be something that, you know, that is constantly out there because, you know, when we're at a program like ourselves or any program, we want to be competitive. And because of that, you know, that has to be super important. And, and those, those wins um, and that, that competitiveness can, can, make the, can make the program uh, a little tough at times. But, again, it has to be there. The third one is to make a better leader. And that's, that's a hard one. Coach always says that's a, that's a really hard one to judge, right? But the way that we can judge that is if you give back when your time is done with us. So giving back is the fourth one. So those are the four ones. Academics, championships, um, uh, making better leaders, and whether or not you give back. So giving back could be money. You know, you could donate back to our program. It could be, you know, sitting down with uh, an accounting major and, and helping them maybe get the next job. It could be, hey, uh, talking to, you know, uh, you know, coming back and talking to our guys. You know, a lot of our pro guys like to come back and, and help out you know there's a million different ways to give back uh to our program coach talks about you know uh, getting the wedding invitations and you know the you know the baby cards and the christmas cards those are all ways to give back but those are the four uh that our stand on um mm-hmm. so i would assume you know if you were taking over malvern prep and i was with you those would be four that I would probably hone in on yeah i love it what about on the leadership side do you guys try to put the kids in positions where they're going to lead? Do you like them to kind of assert themselves more naturally or what? Like, because you're right, leadership's a tricky one. Like, everyone's kind of at a different point in their confidence levels. And, but yeah. man, like, just getting, being in those situations, like, that's the stuff you take with for the rest of your life. So, how do you, how do you what, what are some actionable things you guys do in the leadership area? I think we probably let them you know, become leaders a little bit more naturally. Uh, I think each guy will tend to, you know, lead in their own way. I mean, we'll have captains and stuff, but as you know, we've said before, like we, we name our captains. We'll be naming them in a couple of weeks. We've had the fall the guys been around and things like that. And then when the season gets on, you know, we've had times where it's, you know, well, there's one of our real captains. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, when the, when the, when the, uh, when the situations get, you know, murky, you know, you know, who, who are your real captains and those show up. But one of the things that we do 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 and, and it's something that I don't I don't love when we do it. I know Coach and I, we, we kind of will bang heads on it because I wish that we could do it 
at the end of the season. Like I said, when all the chips are on the line, when all the guys are together at, at, at its most, but we do it in the fall again, um, probably just because of, of timing purposes, but we do uh, what we call ACE rankings, attitude, concentration, effort, the three things that we feel like we can control on an everyday basis. And we have the guys rank each other. And then we'll even say, okay, like who's the best leader in the freshman class and the sophomore class and the junior class. And then we, we don't post obviously their votes, but we'll post their tallies and, you know, we'll be able to bring guys in who, who we expect more and say, Hey, listen, you know, your teammates, you know, you should be a leader of the sophomore class. You know, you're, you only got two votes from your teammates. So what we see may be like, Hey, when, you know, when Johnny's at practice, he's all in, but when Johnny's away from practice, he may not be carrying those values away from the field. So it's just, it's a way to kind of indicate, uh, you know, not only, you know, if our beliefs are, are getting through, but what their teammates feel as well. Oh man, that's awesome. So attitude, concentration, effort. Yep. The three things we can control every day. I love, yeah. Concentration probably doesn't get talked about enough, but that's a really, really it, good it, one. It's funny too, because the guys that will, the guys that will struggle at concentration, uh, you'll know like, like, yeah, yep, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You didn't get many votes. Yeah. That sounds about right. Oh, that is so good. Very good. All right. I got, I got some more follow-up questions coming, but let's, let's keep, I get this. Uh, when we come back to recruiting, Josh, I really want to pick your brain on that. Go ahead. Uh, JT Jordan, go ahead. Well, those are, those are really good ones right there. I think um, probably going to all have something very similar. I think for us, um, you know, it does start if we're going to build a program and we're looking to build it from the ground up, I think it does start with recruiting. I think you have to have, it's not just good players. I, I talk about good people, right? I think the baseball side is pretty easy to see when you're, when you're out there at those tournaments, finding game, you know, finding games and watching players, and you see their ability, but trying to dig a little bit deeper and find the right fit for you. And when you talk about identity, um, knowing what it is that you're looking for, um, you know, depending on where you're at, what you, what kind of players you need, that type of stuff. So the recruiting piece is big in a lot of different aspects, and I know you're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, I think once you get them on campus, um, really working hard to develop chemistry and try to get them to uh, have some belief in what it is that you're doing as a coaching staff and get them to believe in themselves. And I think that that is a direct reflection of championships and having a championship mindset. Um, but I think belief's a huge part of it. Uh, we talk a lot about being uncommon and we talk uh, to our players about, Hey, you guys are uncommon just by being on a campus and being student athletes. The fact that you're doing uh, two jobs in one and you're, you're you know, pulling your, your time in different directions with uh, study table and uh, you know baseball practice and weights and all the things that you have to do in the classroom. Um, so being uncommon is something we talk about a lot. Um, I think a coach hit it on the head, and we talk about this a lot with our guys: is the championship mindset is is winning championships and what does that mean? It's okay to talk about winning and um, putting competition within your program. Um, whether that's within practice or, you know, even just in, in things like weights and, and just challenging them in different areas, putting challenges uh, all over the place for, for players to thrive. I think, I think these young guys today, they really, really do well when they're challenged with stuff. So I think that's really important. And then the last piece uh, is being selfless and, and really putting that, and that, that covers a, a big gamut for us, uh, community service, um, being a great teammate, um, 
you know, things like that to where we can put those examples within the program and really just try to buy around those core uh, beliefs, right? Really. So belief for us being uncommon, having a championship mindset, and then really being selfless. Yeah. Jordan, let me ask you one follow-up question. I believe in all those things. No doubt. so when it comes to, I love that everything's a competition. I it, that reminds me, like I feel like today's player, I, I promise I'm not going to yell at clouds right now. Today's player, they didn't get to go into a park and play pickup hoops like we did, right? Like yeah. we, we, I think our generation got to really compete with our peers with no adults watching a lot. I don't think today's kids get those opportunities. Yeah. So, you know, if everything's organized, it's just different. And so what you guys are doing in your program is you're giving them that pip up, that pickup hoops experience but you're also telling me to be selfless and i like that message can i feel like those wires can get crossed sometimes yeah so how do you how do you you're you're really you're getting me you know juiced up to compete but then you're also telling me i got to put myself aside at times like how do you help me not yeah go ahead no it's a really good point i think you're you're trying to um develop killers on the baseball field and gentlemen in the classroom. Mm. Right. And so there's a separation there. And we talk a lot about separation and what the, what does that really mean? Being able to put the collared shirt on and sit in the class and be a gentleman and, and, and be great in the community and help people and, and do great things. And then when you, you cross those lines, uh, it's time to work and it's time to really get after it. And so, um, you know, it pays to win coach McMillan's saying, right. He says that a lot. Hey, it pays to win. So, you know, if our guys win great, if they, if they lose the other team, there might be something on it, right? It's not just, Hey, that team wins a a bunch of Gatorades and the other team watches them drink it. It might be, they, you know, they got to do some calisthenics or they got to do something that's uh, maybe a little bit old school, but, but you have to get them to love that competition. There's gotta be something in today's game that, that, shows that hey you know what it's it's okay to win and it's okay to want to win and um you know we're not playing for ties and and, when things like that so um yeah that's you know there's ways to go about that and you know probably things that you know you don't say on on podcasts but there's also (laughs) um you know it's just it's just motivation you're trying to motivate these guys to want to compete and you're bringing in really good players and you're telling the people when you bring them in hey we're going to bring other really good players in as well and so you can look to your left and look to your right and know you're going to be challenged. I think kids talk a lot about, I want player development in a program. And I think that's a choice, right? You've got good coaches everywhere. All these coaches on this panel, everybody's working to develop players, but you have to have players that want to compete. And so you have to foster an environment that's, I think, going to bring the best out of them in that way. Yeah, I love it. By the way, I heard Greg Sankey on a podcast recently and if I understood him correctly, on the back door of the SEC office, he has two signs that one says champions do extra, which when you were talking, Jordan, I thought of that one. Champions do extra. That's the sign. And then the other sign in the back, apparently over the back door of the SEC offices, says problems yield to effort. So yeah. problems yield to effort. It's like, oh, God, yeah. So I, I love all of those things. Lou, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, these guys have touched on some great ones that uh, great points that uh, are very similar to, to some of our um, kind of core principles. You know, when I first took over St. Peter's, the program was in rough shape. So what I did was I called around to a couple different college coaches who had had uh, a proven uh, success uh, track record, um, turning losing programs into winning programs. And, you know, the three things that kept popping up um, when I talked to these coaches was attitude, competitiveness, and relationships. 
Um, obviously, you know, we got to recruit and bring in the right guys. So turning the roster over was, was kind of the fourth one. Um, but, you know, I told the guys, you know, the first, the first two weeks, um, you know, the only thing we're evaluating is attitude and effort, you know, and, and if attitude and effort are in line with what we're asking, typically the other boxes tend to check themselves, whether it's development, um, all the other kind of stuff that we're asking them to do. So I'm really putting a focal point on that and, and, and letting them know that it's being evaluated every day. Um, competitiveness, um, like Jordan just touched upon, you know, competing in everything we do uh, in the classroom, on the field. You know, the weight room is a really big part, uh, a really big identity of our program. Um, you know, I don't I think uh, college baseball is more physical than it's ever been uh, with the shrinking of the draft, with COVID years, with guys, you know, having getting extra years, being a year older, stronger. Um, it's never been this physical, you know, and, um, you know, we watch games in, in June in Omaha. They look a lot more like men than boys when they're on TV, you know, and I think the weight room can um, can definitely be a, a factor. And um, I think the weight room can create confidence as well. I think psychologically, um, there's something to be said when you put your uniform on and you feel as though you fill it out. And, um, you know, when you put it on, you look good, feel good type of thing. Um, I think it can give you that extra confidence, that built-in confidence that you know you put the work in um, to have that extra edge walking from whether it's the, the bullpen to the mound, the uh, on deck circle to the box, um, any extra confidence that we can get our guys, man, we're trying to get for them because obviously we know it's, it's a real competitive, uh, every day is a com you know, competitive environment. So um, any little extra uh, ounce of uh, confidence we can give our guys, um, we're trying to do it. And I think the weight room is, is a really important part of, of the culture of our program. And then I think relationships, um, you know, Coach Bowen at Stonehill, he's been, I think it's his 28th year, um, he's taught me so much about relationships, um, you know, whether it's coaches and players, players and players, and even just on campus, um, you know, with, with coworkers, with, um, you know, students on, you know, other student athletes on other teams, um, you know, we're trying to build relationships with uh, equality relationships, uh, you know, with people on campus and, you know, Stonehill's a very tight knit community and allows for that. And so I think that's a really uh, important part of our, our culture is, is, is nurturing those relationships, especially amongst the guys. And, and once, you know, they do a great, our guys do a great job, obviously, like most teams do of, of pretty much hanging out all the time together. And so we encourage them to try and build relationships um, with people maybe outside of their comfort zone or people they wouldn't normally, um, you know, meet or interact. You know, that's, you know, college is a great time for us to be able to expand our network and, and meet new people. And so we, we, we really um, talk to our guys about the importance of that and how a network can be very important once they leave um, Stonehill and, and we try and get them to hopefully leave Stonehill with a skill set and a network that's going to allow them to be successful. That That's our goal um, yep. when they leave. Gosh, that's awesome. That that whole point of weight room as a source of confidence, I think, is so underthought of. Like, I'm so in on that. Like, you just when you're when you're getting after it in the weight room, you just feel so much better about yourself. And then, you know, you, you mentioned Omaha. I think about the super regional Josh coached in UConn and Stanford last year, watching every pitch of that. I mean, there's some men running around that field like there was people my size five nine there wasn't a whole lot of me running around that super regional I mean there there's some large mammals running around there so uh Lou here's the follow-up question I wanted to ask you um you know and and I on on your behalf I'll say this you know say I've never seen the budget um for St. Peter's but I'm assuming that it's a leaflet I'm assuming it's not a multi-page document and you know you did the best you could and you doubled the number of wins. Your three years was double the number of wins of the three years prior. And that's not to rip on anybody. It's just that that's, you know, like that's in adverse conditions. Who were some of the people, if you don't mind sharing, you called when you're like, hey, I'm taking over St. Peter's and 
um, I'm looking for ideas around turning the program around that's been struggling. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Dr. Barry Davis was a guy at Ryder. Um, you know, he, he took over Gloucester Community College back in, I'm not exactly sure the years, but he did a phenomenal job turning them into a JUCO powerhouse. Went down to Georgia, um, you know, for a couple of years. And then at Ryder, he's just, he, he's, you know, he's done a great job there. So he was one of the guys. Um, Coach Peter Hughes uh, at, at Kansas State uh, was yeah. one of the guys that I called. Uh, him and Coach Bowen were actually best friends growing up in Brockton, Mass., um, so coach Hughes was a great resource for me. He's obviously done a phenomenal job at his, at the steps, you know, he's been at. And so, um, being able to pick guys like that brain who's been through it, um, that, you know, those kind of resources, you, there's no, you can't find that in a book or a manual or, um, you know, you, those kinds of, you know, that kind of experience is, is special to be able to have, uh, access to that information. So I knew though it was important, um, because guys, you know, guys have been through it before and guys have done it successfully. So. Um, I know there's not one blueprint per se, but the more feedback I could get, the more helpful it's going to be in terms of putting my plan together. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Love that. Anthony DeLeo, go ahead. Yeah, so being at a really high academic institution, one of the most important factors for us is obviously staying, you know, relentless in everything we do, but the classroom being first and foremost. Um, it, it's really tricky sometimes to find the right niche of kids that when you're on the recruiting scene um, that, you know, or an Ivy League type of education um, perspective while being really good baseball players and, you know, being able to handle both of those full-time jobs on a daily basis. Uh, Jordan mentioned it, but but you're working, you know, within the confines of multiple full-time jobs and trying to get stronger, trying to become a man, quite frankly, all at the same time. And being able to carry your weight in the classroom is really important. You know, we, we can't get many kids into school. And when we do, we got to make sure they stay there and graduate on time. So being able to to really hold your own and not leave us with any question marks in the classroom is is very important. Um, it, it's kind of monotonous at this point, but I think the competition factor is is huge. We try to compete in everything that we do from from bullpens to the weight room to you know, uh, simple tasks of, of being in the same class and making sure we're on time and doing those little things right um, are huge points of emphasis for us that um, just being in control of what you can control, you know, and making sure that anything outside of your outside of your hands is, is not something that we necessarily need to worry about or or invest too much undue attention to. You know, if you can control your controllables and and be really steady in the classroom and, and be consistent in practice and in game action for us, that those things speak wonders. And a lot of the times they're correlated. You know, we've, we find that the kids that are more on top of their academics are, are generally more consistent in the weight room and and give us the ability to to see consistency when it comes to the field. Um, you know, we we talk about coachability and that's something that's, I think harder and harder to come by sometimes because a uh, different generation of kids is, is being brought up in cages and doing lessons and having a different upbringing where it might not necessarily be go out and play or, or figure it out on a practice field from the time they're, you know, eight or nine years old in some cases. So coachability is, is a really important thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean to me at least that you're a yes man. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's almost worse. Um, the way that I, I've kind of stated it to guys and in the recruiting process is having an informed autonomy, you know, and being really, really knowledgeable about what you're doing and investing in yourself, because ultimately 
you're the one and, and you as the player is the one that's going to make you successful. You know, we can we can take credit when we win and hopefully take some blame when we lose. But we're just a resource, you know, and if I can help you, you know, one percent, then then I've done my job. But you need to be informed and be invested in your own career. And, you know, sometimes that might mean having a hard talk with myself, you know, come in the office and talk about your development plan or ask why. You know, I think my least favorite thing is to, uh, and I never want to say it is because I said so. You know, I think it's yeah. the worst thing that I can do to a player and and just to put those restraints on them. So being informed and, and understanding the info that we're giving you. Sometimes that might mean um, certain guys thinking at a higher analytical level or, uh, you know, us pitching it in a different way. But being really informed and having that autonomy in your career is something that's going to make you successful even if baseball isn't your end goal or sure. isn't your, um, you know, your long-term career path because for it, it is for only very few kids. So uh, being able to, to pair that high academic degree and our deep alumni base with, the, with that understanding and that, that autonomy is, is training your skills that a lot of companies want to hire, you know, even if you're not a baseball player. Yeah. Um, we, we saw it, and I think it was a crazy turnaround that we can't even – I don't think we really understood the scope of it in the moment, but our regional year, the the our win in the America East and our first year in the conference there, that that year's group of seniors ended their their careers on Baumwalker Stadium, you know, on the Pretty field, awesome. winning a regional game, going down and playing at Arkansas. Um, their freshman year, they were 9-40, and 40, you know, and had 24 kids on the roster. You know, that turnaround to go from from that to, you know, what the regional year did for us from a recruiting standpoint and where it's kind of pushed the program and what now we're trying to to accomplish on a yearly basis has been a, a drastic turnaround. And, and it wouldn't have been possible for without these, you know, kind of core principles, but also for the for the guys that were involved. You know, I think that by bringing the right group of of 30, 35 guys together, and knowing that they're all working towards the same goals because of these certain things that we've talked about, uh, it's turned the program around, you know, yeah. and it's brought it to a point where now we're really proud of, of what's been created and, and the expectation is much higher than it used to be. I love that. Informed autonomy is really good. And you're right. As I work a real day job, coachability, controlling controllables, man, that is stuff that works in every walk of life. So perfect segue by you, Anthony. Here's here's the next question, guys. And Coach Matt, coming back to you. Give me a team that you've been part of that nailed this. Like you've been at UConn your whole career. What's the UConn team that you would point to and say, hey, if you want to know about UConn baseball, that's the team. Because, you know, I think every team – they, they don't not every team gets the identity of the program perfectly right like some teams struggle with the, the identity some teams fight with it some teams um you know and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be your most successful season but if you can only point to one of your teams josh and say hey that's the team that really understood what we're about and who we are what what team would you point me to that's really hard that's tough really question hard. i've uh i've been really fortunate that to coach a lot of a lot of good teams we didn't play as well as I think the team uh, should have in the regional that year. Uh, but 2021 is pretty close because um, 
there was a lot of factors going on that year, you know, with, with, uh, with some of the issues with, with COVID and shutting games down. And we weren't sure if we were going to even make our tournament due to how many games we were going to have to qualify for. Uh, we had, you know, just like the, the rest of the guys here, probably we had, we had star players jumping in, jumping out. Um, one of the things I always laugh about is when they talked, talked about Reggie Crawford's innings amount and some of it had to do with, he he had COVID. He got he got he got uh, COVID by association, so he's out two weeks. So we had to restart it. Then when we were going to restart it, he lost a contact, which took two weeks to come in. Then by the time we got him back and going, he uh, we got shut down. He got COVID, so it took another two weeks. So a lot of those things that you you think about, um, uh, those things that those things popped up in 2021. There were just so many things in our way. And we walked away with regular season. We walked away with the the, the, the tournament one. And, and I know we didn't play our best uh, in South Bend that year. Um, but again, that team, again, for, for all the things that were thrown at them throughout that year to just keep coming and having to plug guys in and and, and just, again, you know, to figure a way to, to, to come out on top. Uh, that is probably the one that, that is the closest to it. But we've had a listen. I, I don't know. I, we've had we've had a lot of teams teams at UConn. Team, I think I think all the teams at UConn um, that I'm most proud of are, are the teams we figured out late. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we may we may stumble a little bit at the beginning. Um, we had to play a lot on the road. It beats us up. Things like that. And then boom. Next thing you know, it's uh, it's the end of April, and we're just we're just steamrolling. And there, there's been a lot of teams like that since I've been here. There's been a lot of really good, tough players. So I, I don't want any of those other guys listening right now <laughs> getting pissed off. So Yeah. And you, it's tough for you guys, Josh, because I think if if there's one compliment I hear about your program, UConn's program, over and over again is, you know, it is that word identity. It's like, you know, people talk about, hey, UConn knows who they are. They're super consistent. It's so that, you know, it, you know it, basically Coach Pender's whole tenure – you could say, hey, this is a program that's really dialed in. I think other programs that maybe feel a little bit lost at sea could look at your guys' program and say, hey, there's a group that really knows who they are and they don't deviate. And that's why the success has been so sustained. So, yeah, I was definitely putting you on the spot there. Yeah, we may be stubborn too. I mean, that could be part of it. But I think a lot, <laughs> that's of, right. I think a lot of it has to do with, again, I mean, and this is not a, not a knock on anybody else here, but we've been together for 12 years. I played yeah. for, for the guy. Jeff yep. played for the guy, um, you, you, you know, so we know exactly what is expected of us. We know what's going to be done with the rest of our staff. We're able to, you know, I'm in charge of the pitchers. Obviously, coach oversees it, but it's my voice. Jeff is in charge of the hitters. Coach mm-hmm. oversees it, but it's his voice. Desi is in charge of the defense. Obviously, coach oversees it, but it's his voice. You know, so – it, you know, there's there's not convoluted messages here either. It's yeah. like this is yeah. what we do. This is what we're about. If you can't do this, that's fine. Then you can't play here. Yeah. But if you can do this and you you understand what we're trying to do, and you can come and you can pound the grindstone every single day here, then yeah, odds are good things are probably going to turn out our way. You know. Yeah. So, um, again, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it just has to do with you know we've been together for so long. We trust each other. We trust each other uh, in the game. We trust them in big games. You know that's something that's been really cool to see. You know somebody somebody asked you know how you know 
you know, how do we get a little bit further every year? So you got to keep playing those games. The more you play in those games, the more you the more not only not only do you trust them, you trust yourself, you trust yourself on the sure. coaching decisions. Um, but again, it's all you know that all starts you know from from day one, step one at practice, and and we just try yep. to carry it over. Love it, really cool. JT, you're up next. Give me a team. Give me when you think about program identity. Give me a team. Yeah, I just wanted to hit real quick on on what he just said. I just think the the fact that you know when you're looking at good teams, the continuity that's I think that's underrated. The fact oh, that you so have staff that's that's together for a long time knows each other. The kids know it. There's expectations. It's I mean that is you know and you, you don't always get that right. I mean I feel like I'm a mud. I've been everywhere. I've been short stops, long stops. Um, but one of the teams that I think of, and wasn't, you know, the championship team in 2010 was pretty amazing. And that just to be a part of that and experience that type of winning at, 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 a, at a level that, you know, as a junior college player, you always dream about going. And then to get there as a coach and watch these kids experience it and coaches, all the coaches here, I mean, being a part of a dog pile, I wasn't in it, but they were in it. And just watching that stuff, that's really fun. But it's the team before that. It was the 2009 team, my very first year as a head coach because those guys bought in so fast. And what I talked about before, like the belief and being uncommon and buying into, you know, I was really hard on them with academics. I, I, I tried to run it like all the D1 coaches that I knew at the time. So I'm modeling after everybody. I'm opening up Skip Bertman's book and I'm using motivational quotes and I'm trying to find stuff from all over the place to keep these guys. But at the same time, keeping it really professional, like, man, I, I got this thing figured out, but they didn't know that. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to pull from all aspects to get these guys the most experience possible for a first year head coach. And so the fact that they bought in so fast, the fact that they, I mean, I was hard on them in practice. Uh, no detail was, uh, was too small. Uh, they knew that um, it was like you hear about, Hey, we're going to stay out here longer and we're going to get this thing right. The, the beauties of junior college back then when you can actually do those things, right. It's even now you can't do that. There's too many rules. There's too much time that they take away from you. But, but to be able to take kids at that level of play who were probably not recruited really high, they were passed over, you know, and, and just marginal players, good players, but marginal players that got an opportunity over a course of time to get really, really good. And so I think about that team and I think about the fact that, I mean, they went from uh, the year before, I think we won 18 games. And then that next year we won 33. And at some point we're ranked number one in Northern California and kind of a turning point was we matched up. It was Andy McKay's last year at Sac city college. And, and they came into us and we were able to pull out some crazy wind on a, on a, a really wet field. And I think we beat them two to one. And I use that, man. I use that motivation. I said, hey, listen, that is one of the best junior college programs in the state. It's one of the best programs in the country. Um, and you guys can do this. And it was kind of that turning point to take those guys and, and get them to believe, hey, you can do anything you want to do. It doesn't matter what the name across the chest says. If you believe that you can compete against the game of baseball, then let's do this. And, and to see those young guys at 18 go, yeah, coach, we believe you. Let's do it. And then it was on. And, and so then they bought into everything. It was the motivation. It was the study hall. It was the extra conditioning and, and the extra practices and the uh, attention to detail in those practices that I think um, carried those guys through the end. That's why it was so hard at the end when you lose tough games in a regional and, and you go, man, I thought this was the one. But it was that learning experience to go through that type of at the end you lose and you think you think you're better than you are, but you lose and you use that 
moving forward. And I know coaches probably done that at UConn so many times where they're right there knocking on the door and then you got all those kids back and they grow and they learn and they, they mm. teach the younger guys. And now you start to build that tradition. So love it. That's really good. Go ahead, Lou. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the, the best teams that I've always been a part of are the ones with the best senior leadership, you know, and I think, you know, Josh touched on it earlier, you know, college, college athletics really has a great dynamic that allows for us to cultivate leaders, you know, and um, there was an old saying, I can't remember where I heard it, but um, it holds so true where, you know, freshmen, you know, they're going to have problems for lack of a better term, figuring out study hall, figuring out classroom, um, figuring out their class schedule, um, you know, figuring out practice, figuring out the weight room, the dining hall, the social life, everything, right? By sophomore year, you still have problems, but minimal problems. Junior year, you should have no problems. You should have it figured out. And then senior year, we need those guys to be the problem solvers. You know, and if they can, you know, for example, if we got a freshman who's maybe not going to class or not doing what he needs to do, before it gets to the coaching staff, it's a lot more impactful. If you got a senior that puts his arm around him and says, look, man, I was where you were as a freshman. I, I missed my first three classes or whatever it is. It's really important that you get to class. You know, when that message comes from our upperclassmen, our seniors, um, it, it's so much more impactful. And so for me, all the teams that have had that great senior leadership, um, really, those have been the best experiences. We, I, you know, I have, you know, you tend to have great relationships with the guys who are the leaders on the team. And um, like I said, in terms of the culture for, for the entire program, um, it goes such a long way when you got guys that have bought in and, they're trying to teach the younger guys through their mistakes. And if we're able to do that, um, you know, you're able to improve as a program pretty quickly. Yep. That, that's the side I miss the most that you just can't tell from on the, when you're broadcasting a game, the buy-in, like you can guess, but like, yeah, the teams that the, the, the senior classes that are really bought in that, that is, that's, that's a great point. Anthony, you go next, give it, give me a team, a team you've been part of that you, that you think of when you think of, Man, these guys just nailed it when it comes to program identity. Yeah, I think the easy easy answer would be to say the regional run we made a couple of years back. Sure. Um, just because it was different, you know, and I think that I was lucky enough to be a part of a, a regional team when I played in college. Um, uh, my first year coaching back in uh, at Merrimack, we made the D2 regional that year. And then my f uh, second or third year at NJIT here is when we went to the run to Arkansas. So. Uh, something across those different rosters is just something that we can all talk about leadership and say, you know, it was the older guys that really carried their weight. But to us, quite frankly, it doesn't really matter how old you are. You know, I think that there's an opportunity for a guy to come on campus and playing time isn't necessarily correlated with that leadership role. But I think that guys can have an impact on the game and on the team immediately because that might mean – just succeeding in the role that they're in, you know, and we're, we're really big on that, that whatever your role, whether you're our Friday night starter or you're the last guy on the travel roster, you need to carry your weight. And, and that might mean, you know, crushing it while you're doing the, the book or the, you know, a chart, a hitting chart and a dugout or being the best teammate you can be um, from the end of the bench. So that year, I, every road trip we went on the, from one to 30, you know, we had the same buy-in and the same amount of energy and the same inve time investment and everybody cared, you know, at the, at the highest level. And I think that probably all of us have been around teams that maybe don't have that luxury. You know, mm -hmm. you look down the dugout and, and you're seeing a little bit of 
of low energy or or guys that aren't aren't getting off the bucket when a guy gets a sack bunt down you know and and it's something that i think we all see and and it's really important to nip that in the bud when you if you do happen to catch it but um you know that that 2021 team of ours was was special you know to we just got hot at the right time and and that's the thing we didn't start hot we were below 500 for a good stretch of time um you know and and we we got it it pushed in a little bit one weekend i won't forget that we were up at up at binghamton and uh you know it was a tough one like we know hit them through you know eight and two thirds on friday night and lost and you know lose three or four that weekend and robbie pretty much gave him the ultimatum like you got to win 16 to 22 in the home stretch here to even have a shot to make the conference tournament and don't you know that senior leadership they pulled out 18, you know, they won 18 nice. to 22. And um, that group of leaders was incredible. And and they were the part of that. And they were the class that was, you know, from nine and 40 to, to Arkansas. And, That's you know, incredible. that, that kind of transition was, was unheard of, but it's all because of them. You know, yeah. we, we, we assist in it and do what we can, but their desire to get better and to make everybody around them better was what, really led to that success and and we're really lucky right now that our our five-year catcher and four-year captain is is now joined our staff as our volunteer this year so that's um, cool some of that same energy and, and leadership has been carried over into the staff and and we're really lucky to have been around that group yeah that's awesome and the next thing you know kevin cops is having to throw in the fourth inning of the one four game that was incredible yeah. regional so boys let's do this rapid fire final question because uh, I want to try and keep this to to an hour. Gosh, so many. I This happens every week. I have all these great questions I want to ask you guys. But I'll have leftover questions for Nashville, for the convention. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on my recruiting question. What I'm looking for, boys, is a symbol. I'll give you an example. When I'm the high school coach at Malvern Prep, I wanted baseball to be a bigger deal. It was a football school. So I we made these Malvern baseball T-shirts that you could only get if you made the varsity. You couldn't buy them. Your parents couldn't buy them. Your girlfriend couldn't buy them. You could only have that T-shirt if you made the varsity. And it was a simple thing. But over the course of time, it became a big deal. I think about when we were at Arizona State, Murph came up with this thing called the 200 Club. Um, that was the symbol of we wanted our program to be relentless. And so the 200 Club was that deal. I think about Arizona in Omaha a couple of years ago. They all had T-shirts that said um, it's a ball or it's a line drive that really kind of encapsulated their offensive philosophy. So Josh Mack, I'm starting with you. It, it, this doesn't have to be a t-shirt. It could be anything that you guys do, but I'm looking for one symbol that you guys use in your program that uh, kind of speaks to what you guys are all about. I actually think this might be the easiest question of the night for us. Uh, all right. So we have a thing called the hook C. It's, oh, uh, yes. it's uh, obviously the, the C on our hat is a hook C and, and the, it symbolizes you know, pretty much our program. It's the same logo since 1950. I'm pretty sure it was 1950 awesome. straight through. We've always had a hook seat. We've gone through a bunch of changes. You know, we've gone through a, a bunch of different fonts and logos and all that stuff, but the hook seat has remained. And I think it means a lot more uh, to our program because we, we don't have a lot of change at UConn. You know, we've yeah. only had, I think, four head coaches in that time. So, you know, if, if you look at that span there, 
Um, you know, we know who our alumni are. Our alumni are around. Our alumni are involved, and 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 there is something special about you know you know putting the hooksy on. So, you know, for us again, I think it's you know I, I don't want to say the word fraternity with it, but but there's definitely um, there's definitely a tradition there. Uh, there's a lot of pride in, in our program, um, and there's a lot of support from from people that played obviously you know uh for sure. us and and for for fans that have been around for a long time so yeah i would say the hook c for sure oh that's awesome very cool uh that's a good answer jordan now you can be any team you know you've been a bunch of different yeah. stops so you feel free to go carte blanche here but yeah well, looking for a symbol go ahead yeah well i'll talk about this group because i think it's unique um we when we first came in uh, probably i know vanderbilt does this some other schools do this but we didn't we gave them shirts that were blank and we did it on purpose so that they had to earn their logo. They had to earn. And for us, it's bucks, right? It's, it's what I talked about, belief, uncommon, championship mindset, selfless. And so they had to earn that. They had to earn that through uh, repetition, through time, through competition. Um, and so on one side, you have bucks, you have, which is our core beliefs and, and um, you know, the hashtag, right? Hashtag bucks. We use it everywhere. But then on the back, it was uh, T-E-A-M, together, everybody accomplishes more. And so kind of something that we use on the back, right? Team and then bucks. So that's what I think of. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Go ahead, Lou. Yeah, for us, uh, you know, we got a slogan, winners wanted. And we'll put that on a T-shirt. And, um, you know, we can talk about winning, being a process, and um, just trying to win at everything we do. And so, um, yeah, we put that on a T-shirt. And um, the guys like it. They buy into it. And um, we, we refer back to it frequently. Yeah, that's good. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, it's an easy one for us too. I think for three years now, it's it's something that's taken over. It's it's on the wall in our locker room in in as big a font as our logo, um, and it's on our t-shirts all the time. And it's just grip ball, like it's something that's taken over. And we had the we went down to the regional wearing grip ball university shirts for BP against Arkansas, <laughs> awesome. and, and it's something that it's bigger than what any guy that's a part of it, you know, it's something that we recruit yeah. towards, we play towards, we train towards, and, and you've got to be the toughest, grittiest dude, dude there. And, you know, not afraid to, to do anything that it's going to take. And, you know, that it, it's pretty easy because that was created by, you know, um, Paul Franzoni, who's now our volunteer, you know, and he yeah. was that, that ultimate leader that you wish for. And, and he is the epitome of that. And, everybody that we're recruiting now is has to buy into that, you know, because sure. with Robbie, it's, if you don't buy in, like you're not going to play. So yeah. it's something that, and quite frankly, you, you're probably not going to travel and you're probably not going to be part of the program in, in future years. So um, it's ball. something we really live by and, and love. Yeah. That's awesome. Gosh, I, I'm a, I love slogans too. Like when you guys were talking the the phrase that I was thinking of is how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, like that's one that really jumps out. I remember when we were playing against University of Washington, Ken Knutson was the old head coach at UW. Great guy, you know, works in pro ball now. Just one of the the funnest, coolest people you'll meet in baseball. But UW had an expression, they just say, win the pitch. And and the theme was regardless of what's happening around you, if just win this pitch, it's all good. Right. Umpire stinks, win the pitch. You don't feel good, win the pitch. You know, your girlfriend broke up with you, win the pitch. If you win this pitch, it's all good in the hood. So anyway, I oh, man, I love all this stuff. So, gentlemen, this was great. I really appreciate it. Like I said, so many questions I didn't get to, but um, I knew that would happen. So 
Um, you guys were phenomenal. This was really, really fun. This is one of my favorite topics. Um, and I knew this would be a blast and it was, and the time just absolutely buzzed by. Want to say thanks again to our friends at Netting Pros. Um, this is not possible without their support. And, and these guys are amazing, incredible people, incredible products and services. They love college baseball. So we're, we're grateful for their support. And uh, that's it for tonight. We'll see everyone next Sunday. We're going to keep this going throughout the, uh, throughout the fall. And um, again, we appreciate the listeners. Everyone have a great week and we will catch you next time.